Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMV. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Joe Anderson here, Big Al. Welcome to the show. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Thanks so much for joining us. Happy 2017. Starting out the year hot today. Hot, Al. Hot. Why do you say that? Well, starting out the year hot, the year I should hot. have said. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Because it's a new yeah, year. A new fresh. Year. We got a lot of... 2017. We're, we're going to... I know we're going to have a great year this year. I, I, can, I can feel it. Oh, well, great year personally, I, professionally, market-wise. And I think, I think our listeners can, too. Right? I think we're, so, too. Yeah, they listen. Uh, this is going to be the year. <laughs> For what? I don't know. <laughs> so today on the show, we got a couple of different guests. Rachel Sheedy will be joining us a little bit. Uh, I had a nice conversation with her. Uh, she's the editor of Kiplinger's Retirement Report. Kiplinger. Yes, right. You ever read that? Yes, I do. You do? Big I, fan? I usually look at their tax report more than the retirement report. Yeah, me too. Report, but, me too. Uh, every, every now and again, I'll see Well, the I get the magazine. Report. And any time of the, yeah. you get those financial magazines, it's all full of fluff. It's, there's quite a bit of fluff in there. And, and it's all BS, too. Here's the top 10 stocks to buy. And... Those magazines, uh, they do they do kind of hype things to try to sell the publication. As long as you understand, that's what the magazine's yeah, uh, yeah, all about. Yeah, I think they have some good points to them when it comes to just basic personal finance. Oh, sure. Right? Yeah, if you... If you're a total novice and like, all right, well, how do you budget? And you know, yeah. how do you... Well, so some things that I really did take away is just basic savings goals and and pay yourself first and concepts like that that I think are really invaluable, particularly if you're in your 20s and you've never heard about that. Yeah, and then a hey, uh, really cool guest, Doug McCormick, uh, will be joining us as well a little bit later on in the show. Doug uh, wrote a Family Inc. Uh, very cool. It, it, it's just kind of taking a look at your own personal wealth as a company. Like to be your own CFO? Yeah, kind of like you look at your own situation as if it were a company and you're the CFO in charge of it and what do you need to do? Right. And there's labor, right? So you got human capital. Maximize your, yeah, right. Maximize your human capital. Different different way of looking at it. Yeah. And then so with with that type of mindset, you take a look at... Uh, your portfolio in a different view and how you're going to create income and what how much money you should have in stocks and bonds. So uh, stick around for Doug uh, McCormick. Uh, so he'll be joining us probably in the second hour. Right. And um, what else? We got email questions. We got a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, I've got some uh, updates for Social Security this year. And Joe, I think uh, since it's the uh, the new year, and I think a lot of us are trying to get in shape and eat better, how about this one? Why don't we start saving a little bit more? I'm going to go over some tips on how to do that. Save well, just save more. Okay, we're done. <laughs> done. We're <laughs> two hours of dead air. Now <laughs> you gave away the punchline. <laughs> You're about right. But anyway, I'm going to try to make it a little better oh, than that. Yeah, we'll stretch that thing out for a oh, couple segments at we least. Could. Yeah, a couple segments. I got how to become an extreme saver in 2017. You know, I um been reading a little bit more about um. You know, individuals wanting to retire in their 40s and 50s. Sure. Right? Because uh, it's unheard of, right? Because people in their 40s and 50s haven't saved. But then you got the millennials. It's like, all right, well, here, you know, I have this job. I'm going to live off of ramen noodles for 10 years and, um, you right. know, save everything I have. Sure. Um, but w- which I find fascinating um, because, but then they, they, if you take a look at most younger people, where are they saving their money? Are they they're not putting money in the stock market? 
Right, they're putting in the bank. In the, right, in the, in the bank, because it's like, all right, well, here, I, I experienced the Great Recession, and my parents lost a house or lost a bunch of money and all the stress that it caused, so I don't want to do that. But on the other side, well, if you're going to retire at 40, yeah, right, you may need, you that need money a for, ton of money. For 40 years, then if it's not growing. It's not growing, yeah, inflation. Right, so. what, every, uh, what, every 30 years, maybe 25, 30 years, costs double? Something like that? Yeah, something like that. Right. You know? So, um, I don't know. I just lost my train of thought, but that will probably happen a couple of different times today. Nothing new, right? Oh. So, so, where do you want to start this show with, Joseph Anderson? Well, let me just kind of recap a little bit of 2016. Okay. I have a little year-end report here. Oh, good. Uh, We had a rocky start, of course, in the beginning of the year. We talked a little bit about this last week. I mean, the market went way down. The first first, uh, month, I think, in January, that was the worst January in the history of the stock market. Right. Well, we got off, what, 2016, uh, what, 10% in the first two weeks. Right. The worst start since the year 1930. Um, and then the markets bottomed out in mid-February, and then they became a little slow recovery. But then, guess what happened? We had that setback with the UK deciding to leave the Eurozone. Yep, that's um, So we had another hard bump. Then we ended up, what's, um, the Dow ended the year at, what, 19,762. And if I'm not mistaken, Mr. Clopine, I think we're at 20,000. Right? Well, I did. Down 20,000? I didn't check on, on Friday. Let's see if I can, while well, we're live on this show. That's when we do our best research when we're live on the show. Well, because the pressure's on. Yeah, <laughs> these guys are like, you idiots. <laughs> well, I got what? It's pretty close. Yeah, Give but, or take a couple of points. Right. So you don't have an exact number? Well, it's 20,000. Let's just call it. It's very close to that. Okay. All right. I'll go with that. Now, people will be listening. Did it really hit 20,000? No, it's 19,980 something. Yeah, it's 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 within, we'll call it within 20 25. Points. Yeah, 25 points. I used to like to say dollars. It's in within 25 yeah, right? dollars. In the old days, <laughs> the, yeah, the I say Dow, the Dow, the Dow, the Dow went Jones. up $2. <laughs> Looks like Clopine. And then I got I got booed off the air. Yes, you so did. So I had to go back. I, go, I had to go back and hit the books and study up a little bit more. Oh, well, fourth quarter. So Wilshire 5000, that's kind of the broadest measure of U.S. stocks, was up 4.5% in the fourth quarter of 2016, ending the year up 13%, 13.37%. Right. So if I look at the Russell 3000 index, gained 4.21% in the fourth quarter, and it finished it up at close to 13%, 12.74 uh, for the year. Large cap stocks were up as well. The Wilshire U.S. large cap index gained 4.14% in the fourth quarter and finished the year at 12.5%. The Russell 1000 large cap index closed up 4% again for the fourth quarter and finished the uh, year at 1205 The S&P 500, that's what most people kind of take a look at, uh, large company stocks, was up 325 in the fourth quarter, finishing up 9.5% for the calendar year of 2016. So the fourth quarter crushed. It sure did. But here's the problem, is that right with the election going on, how many people do you think stayed in the market? A lot of people got out. They were so worried about the Trump effect. And right. the Trump effect turned out to be pretty good. Right. Or either side. It didn't matter. It was like, <laughs> well, you know, if a Democrat gets in or a Republican gets in, you know, I, I don't know. It's just so much uncertainty. I want to get the heck out of the market. Right. The, right. And all of the gains, the huge gains, almost half the gains happened in just a few weeks. That's correct. So mm-hmm. that's why timing markets is so incredibly difficult. No one guessed this. 
No one, yes. right? If you looked at the polls, if you looked at everything else, right? Everyone was saying, well, you, everyone knows the market's going to go down if Trump wins. Right. And it went up. It, it, so well, here's how's the that? numbers. <laughs> Wilshire, um, U.S. mid-cap index gained 5% in the fourth quarter. Right. Finishing up 17%. Um, Russell mid-cap index gained 3% in the fourth quarter, up 138 So, I mean, I could go on. What, the small cap index? Eight percent gain, Clopine, in, 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 in the quarter. last three months of the year. Right, total return of twenty-two percent. Wow! So that's why timing markets is you got to be fully diversified and making sure that you have the right risks at the right times, given your specific goals. So I know I just jotted off a bunch of numbers. I guess to to wrap up twenty sixteen, it was a heck of a wild ride. There was a lot of different things that happened, but at the end of the year, if you stayed true to your investment strategy. You probably ended up with a decent year. What is 2017 going to hold? No one knows. We'll, we'll, we'll have a conversation in a year from now. Right. We'll and tell then, you. And then you listen to the pundits. Oh, well, you know, now Trump's in with the growth effect. Right. So, yeah, pro companies, less taxes. Oh, it's going to be a screaming year. Guess the opposite could happen. It, it sure could. Because here's the, the the anticipation is that's going to happen, right? But let's say he gets in office, and then it's a little bit of lag to try to do all these major changes that he wants to do. Guess what's going to happen to the market? It's going to pull back. Yeah, it may, and that's that's why these things are impossible to to, to decipher because we don't know until it actually happens. Right. And it's now, funny when when it happens, it seems like yeah, of course we knew that, but you don't you don't know until it actually happens. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio. 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back. Uh, show's called Your Money or Wealth. Joe Anderson, Big Al, hanging out 2017. Happy New Year, everyone. Um, we just talked a little bit of a recap of some of the numbers um, of the overall markets that uh, 2016 gave us. And there's a lot of uncertainty when it comes to markets, right? Um, when you try to forecast. But there's another thing that's kind of difficult when it's time to forecast is what tax law. Okay, so there's a lot of proposals that Trump is bringing to the table. And then there's also some strategies when it comes to retirement planning that's also on the table, such as the stretch IRA. And the stretch IRA basically works like this. If you were to pass away with a retirement account and, it, and you don't um, if you're not married and it goes to a non-spouse beneficiary, that individual has the opportunity to stretch out that tax over their lifetime, which is a huge, huge benefit for that beneficiary. Yeah, it sure is, Joe, because now you can take an IRA. Let's say you've got a parent that has a big IRA, a million bucks, let's say, and you're you're an only beneficiary. So you can take that million dollars slowly over your lifetime. That's what a stretch IRA does. So you're 20 years old. You're supposed to live till 80. Just a quick, simple example, 60 years. So one sixtieth of the account has to come out each year. Now, if the stretch goes away, then you got to take that money out in five years. And can you imagine a million dollars divided over five years? That's 200000 a year. It's going to push you up into enormous tax brackets. Right. Because all of that is ordinary income. It will just add on top of whatever wages that your, the non-spouse beneficiary has. Right. So if you have large IRAs, you might want to take a look at some different strategies. But hey, you know what? I um, read this article in Kiplinger's and Rachel Sheedy, she's the editor of the Retirement Report. So I thought, hey, what the heck? Let's get her on the show and kind of dive in a little bit more in the details of what the stretch actually is. Rachel, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. Hey, there's trillions of dollars in retirement accounts, and I think the baby boomer age, we're getting a little bit older, and there's some things that people need to take a look at, especially at death, in regards to a retirement account, because it's a totally different account versus if they just inherit stocks or real estate or anything outside of that shell of a retirement account. 
What are some things that you're writing about or talking about that people should be aware of? Yeah, there are definitely some some key points that heirs really need to be aware of. They can really maximize an inherited IRA um, if they are aware of these. And there are certain dates that are attached to. There are some deadlines they need to to know about. So a big key is there are different rules for spousal beneficiaries of an IRA versus non-spouse beneficiaries. Spousal beneficiaries have a lot of leeway. They can essentially take the account as their own, or they can take it as their own if they would like to. Um, Non-spouse beneficiaries can't do that. They've got more rules that they need to pay attention to. There's something to be aware of it. And one of the big key things they need to know is that they need to retitle the account. They can't make it their own. They've got to retitle it as an inherited IRA. They need to make sure that their name and the decedent's name um, is listed um, when they retitle it, and they need to make sure it's clear who is who. So that's step number one (laughs) that they need to be aware of. Right, because they might take a look and say, hey, mom or dad have $500,000 in a retirement account. They also had a home for $500,000. Well, I sold the home. I can take the cash. I might as well just roll their retirement account into my own. I mean, that, that, that seems like common sense, but it's the exact opposite. It has to stay in the decedent's name or it could really blow up on them. It would completely blow up. That's definitely a move people should not make. They should not roll that inherited account over um, into their own. If they are a non-spouse beneficiary, they need to retitle as an IRA. So that that's a big key step to know. Hey, when it comes to spouses, what would you talk about in regards to keeping it, let, let's say, in the decedent's name or rolling it over into the rolling the decedent spouse into their own? Well, so one of the the big things is whether the surviving spouse is younger than 59 and a half. If they're younger than 59 and a half, if they need that money, um, if they keep the account as a beneficiary, they can tap it without having to pay an early withdrawal penalty. And that's true for any beneficiary who's tapping an inherited um, traditional IRA. So they, they need to think about that. If they want to keep the money, keep it as a beneficiary for a while. And then once they pass age 59 and a half, the surviving spouse can then turn the account into their own. And then it basically just follows the same rules um, as, as if they were the original owner of the account. So there's a lot of flexibility that spousal beneficiaries have. What are some key deadlines that people should be aware of? So uh, a couple of key deadlines. Um, for in IRAs and even Roth IRAs, inherited Roth IRAs, um, heirs, non-spouse heirs must take required distributions um, if they wanted to keep the, you know, stretch, do the stretch IRA, um, which can really maximize, you know, the, keeping the money in the retirement shelter. Um, so if they um, want to do that, they need to start taking distributions um, no later than by the end of the year after the year the original owner died. Um, in some cases, there might be multiple beneficiaries of an IRA. Um, and in that case, you want to consider splitting the IRA. Um, if you don't split the IRA, then distributions um, would have to be taken based on the oldest um, beneficiary's life expectancy. So if there's a big difference in ages, say you've got a 60-year-old son and a 22-year-old granddaughter, that 22-year-old granddaughter wants to be able to use her own longer life expectancy. So they need to split the IRA, and they need to do that no later than December 31st of the year after the original owner died. So that, that's another key date to know. Um, and then also, if there's been a charity that's named as one of the beneficiaries, that um, share can be paid out. And if it's paid out no later than September 30th of the year following the owner's death, then the, um, the non-spouse heir can, again, stretch the IRA over their own lifetime. So there's a charity involved. You want to take care of that share, get that paid out. So, all right, let's say someone passes away with a large IRA. They have three beneficiaries. One's a charity, and then one's um, their child, and one's the grandchild. So I pass away, and then they have until De- or September 30th to distribute the money out to the charity outright. Right. There would be no tax due. 
because it's going to a charity. And then they have until December 31st, the year after I pass away. So it gives them plenty of time then to potentially split the IRAs. And they would want to split the IRAs because then they can stretch the tax liability out over their specific life expectancy. Exactly. And they can also, you know, um, once they make it, they've got it split, they each own their own piece of the IRA. They can devise their own personal investment strategy, and they can name their own beneficiaries. So it's really advantageous in a number of ways to split that, that inherited IRA up. What do you see the pros and cons of potentially having to trust the beneficiary? Um, it, it can be done. It definitely is possible. You need to make sure it's set up properly so that if you want to be able to stretch the IRA still that it can be done. Um, so it's a matter of you know getting an expert involved. It's a little bit more complicated, but you can do it. Hey, Rachel, this is Al. Uh, it, it's interesting. The uh, the rules are they're so complicated when it comes to IRAs, and so there's rules. If you're a spouse, there's one thing where you can keep it in the decedent's name or put it in your own account. If it's a non-spouse, and so I want to be really clear, so if you're not the spouse, if you're a kid, grandkid, brother, sister, whatever, that's a non-spousal IRA. So then you've got to start taking required minimum distributions, and a lot of people People don't realize that even if you're 20 years old, you got to start taking a required minimum distribution. Exactly. Yeah, it is a key point. If you want to be able to keep that IRA alive, you want to be able to you know stretch it out for you know potentially decades if you're a very young heir. Um, you need to start taking required distributions. You can also take out more if you wanted to, but if you take out that minimum amount you can keep that IRA going. Yeah, and that's also true for Roth IRAs uh, because the Mm -hmm. account owner doesn't have to take a required distribution, but a a non-spousal beneficiary does, So it's uh, although it's tax-free. Right, exactly. So that's the big difference, Um, a couple of big differences there. Definitely Roth IRA heirs need to realize that they've got to take distributions even though the owner didn't. But those distributions will be tax-free. They are taxable income um, if it's a traditional IRA. So one advantage if you have to take distributions from an inherited Roth IRA. Hey, Rachel, this is great information. Hey, where can our listeners um, get more information about you and, and read up on what you're currently doing? Um, Kiplinger.com is a great resource. If you go to the retirement section, um, our coverage shows up there. And you can search by different topics, IRA, Social Security, that kind of thing. I mean, there's so much information on uh, Kiplinger's. It's a great site. So uh, thanks a lot, Rachel. This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. The show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. Joe Anderson, Big Al Clopine. Uh, Happy New Year, everyone. Hey, uh, we got Doug McCormick. He's going to come in the second hour. He wrote a, a book called Family Inc. So if you don't get the second hour, I would encourage you to go to iTunes and you can download our podcast. Uh, we condense that podcast into roughly a little under an hour uh, so you can get it on the go whenever you want to listen to it uh, we'll have a lot of great guests this year so if you want to get the full show uh, go to iTunes and then subscribe or download or whatever you want to do uh, to our podcast at uh, your money your wealth Joe it's uh, I've got an unfortunate statistic right now and that is uh, uh, somewhere around 30 percent of Americans 55 years and older have neither pension plan nor a dime saved for retirement. A third. A third. Almost a third. One right? third of people, 55 and older, do not have a pension plan or a dime saved, so 100% of their retirement income and, has and to come is, from this Social Security. this is not a, a you know, back-of-the-envelope study. This is the U.S. Government Accountability Office. That's their study. And so we know that a lot of folks that are getting close to retirement are ill-prepared. And, Joe, uh, I would say at this time of the year, particularly after the beginning of the year, New Year's resolutions, resolutions, resolutions. Resolutions. whatever you want, man. That's that's a new word. It's your show. (laughs) 
Uh, there's some mistakes that you want to avoid, and this is certainly true if you're right near retirement, but this is really true for everybody. But, you know, th- these are mistakes that we see those 55 years and older making. And, and mistake number one is underestimating uh, longevity, because right now people are living a lot longer. A lot of folks, I mean, how many times do we have people come into our office that say, I'm going to live probably until 75. Right. And where do you get that? Well, that's when my dad died, or that's when my mom died. And it's like, well, that was a generation ago. You can almost add five to 10 years to that, I mean, as an average. And then if you take a look at their balance sheet, people that say that, do you think they have a lot of money or very little? Usually not enough. Right, right? because they're, they're just conning themselves. Yeah, it's like, I, I don't have to save because I know I'm going to die Right, early. I'm going to die in my 70s, so I don't need to save. I, I want to, it's like, and then the people that have actually done a good job saving, and it's like, you know what? I want this thing to last until I'm age 100. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so I mean, just look at the stats. So 65-year-old individual. So male, uh, the average or the midpoint lives, they live till 84. The female, it's like 88, you know, give or take, sure. right? That's the midpoint, which means half pass earlier, but half live longer. So now I honestly think if you're not planning out to age 95 or more, you're, you're, you're missing the whole point here because we are living longer. And guess what? By the time you get there, chances are we're going to have more medical advances and we're going to live even longer. So if you're thinking you're going to live till 72, I had actually had a case, this was like three weeks ago. A lady said, yeah, I'm going to live till uh, about 72. And she was whatever, 68, four years. Yeah. And, you know, why? And sisters, mothers, they passed away. So that's when I'm going. How, how could you live like that, man? I don't know. <laughs> like four more years. It's like, come on, really? So, but the, I guess the point of this is you may be living a long time in retirement, which is a, actually a good thing. But the flip side of that is you're going to be living a long time in retirement. So you need to have the resources to be able to cover your lifestyle. Save. Save. You got to save. Uh, the second mistake, Joe, is overestimating your wage earning years. And they're talking about uh, for sa- Social Security. Yeah, sa- yeah. Savings retirement's hard because it always involves for, uh, foregoing instant gratification uh, of current spending in exchange for accessing those funds at a future date. Right. But uh, when you look at a 2015 survey from Voya Financial, they found three out of five workers were unexpectedly forced to retirement retirement early retire earlier than three planned. out of four now yeah three out three out of five okay 60 percent. sorry three out of five had to retire early and we've talked about this before and, and you think well how does that happen well <laughs> there's so many reasons it could be your own health but it may be your parents or your spouse health you got to take care of them or maybe you know what the job has passed you by and younger people are taking over or maybe your company downsizes or goes out of business you're depressing me out <laughs> But it's, I mean, it's the truth and it's scary and everything else. I mean, the the last thing, we're not trying to put fear in you. We just want you to wake up and say, you know what? Hey, do I have enough capital? Should I start saving? 2017 is a good time to start this. Right. Another one, of course, is saving too late. And we get this all the time. It's like, well, wait, I'm 64 years old. I don't have anything. So what should I do? Well, it would have been better to, to start earlier. But the truth is, you can improve anyone's situation. Any situation can be improved by starting today. Right. But certainly, if you can start earlier, it makes a lot of difference. For yeah, you. but you and I have done studies, Alan, with people that don't have anything saved in their 60s. You know what I mean? Right. And they still have a very comfortable retirement because it's like, okay, well, now it's time to save. 
you got to work longer than you probably anticipated, right? That pushes out your social security. That it, you know, so there's there's it's never ever too late to start. Yes, exactly. Because and I think a lot of times they feel this sense of hopelessness, and so they're like, "Well, I'm going to work until I drop, and then that's it." So they don't think about it. And and the truth is, if if it's if you find it impossible to save, start at least small. Just just get the ball rolling, right? And if that's three percent of your salary, start there, and then and then gradually increase that. Now this works better if you're younger, but even if you're older. Right. Go ahead and start doing this right now to get to put yourself in a better position. Joe, here's another mistake: is putting your kids above yourself. Whoa! How many times have you seen that? Huh? Never. <laughs> happens all the time, and I and I think there's there's two key ways this happens. One is the parents pay for all the college, all these student loans, and they're paying student loans off in their retirement. The second way is. Mm-hmm. The kids move back home and they never get off the payroll, mm-hmm. right? And so what you're doing is you're funding their lifestyle to the detriment of your own retirement, which means that you're going to have to work a lot longer or you're going to really have to have a much lower lifestyle in retirement. I'm just going off of memory, but there was that study of how much that parents were paying for sports, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. I remember you bringing that up. A couple thousand dollars a month. Right. And when they looked at the 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 people that were paying the most, A, they had nothing saved for college, for their college, and zero saved or very little saved for retirement. Right. Because, all right, well, here, Junior is going to be, you know, the next Derek Jeter. Right. <laughs> when the guy can't hit a ball to save his life. But he's going to, he or she's going to have a full scholarship. Yeah, full right? scholarship and go pro and take care of me. That's <laughs> So that doesn't that doesn't always happen. In fact, rarely. And the fifth one, Joe, is uh, is not diversifying. So you got some savings, but you put the whole thing in the bank, right? In a in a CD, you're making 0.4 percent. It's not going to get you anywhere in terms of growth. And inflation, you know, inflation has been tame lately. But if you look at the last hundred years, inflation's certainly over three percent, closer probably to about three and a half percent, and it's coming back at some point. And if you got your money in just savings accounts, not earning anything, you're you're and and you're going to live a longer time in retirement. This isn't going to work out. Yeah, I think the flip side of that coin too is that um, I see this more, and you and I see this more with the, with higher wage earners that don't have a lot of money saved. Then they like will roll the dice on one stock or one in- investment idea. It's like, well, here, I need a lot larger rate of return than 6%. So I'm trying to go for broke just to try to catch up that way. And they're taking out way too much risk. So, I mean, there's risks on either side of the spectrum. And it's figuring out, all right, well, here, what's a reasonable expectation of return? And then constructing that overall portfolio you know, to, to meet your goals and needs. I mean, it's that simple. I know it sounds simple, but it's not easy to execute because you got to do a little bit of work and we're here to help you. Now back to your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 AFMB. Hello, welcome back. Folksy Radio. This year we got tax chat with Big Al coming up. It's going to air at two o'clock in the morning. <laughs> because it will put you to sleep, guaranteed. You like the lists when you get your research for the show? I do. Do you just do you I just, just Google I just, list? I just type in list, retirement list, and see what pops up. <laughs> uh, well, well, what's, what's, uh, what's the next list we got? The next list? Uh, you want another list? Yeah, because they're so depressing. Here's the five things that you got to do. People are broke. They're living longer. <laughs> you know, all their money's going to go to long-term care. Oh, well, I can geez. tell you how. Not, I can tell you to be, how to become a, an extreme saver. Oh, let's do it in 2017. All right, extreme, extreme. Okay, and I think spend you, less you, than what you make. Yes, and save more. All right, 
done. Right? Let's, yeah, let's, what, what's the extreme? That, that got your eye. <laughs> it did get my eye. There's all kinds of tips here. So here's number one. And these are kind of basic, obvious, but I think they're, they're worth repeating, uh, which is treat your savings funds like any other bill. In other words, you pay your mortgage, you pay your utility bill, make sure that you pay yourself in your savings account each and every month. Be as serious about your mortgage payment uh, as savings as your mortgage payment. Pay yourself first. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly right. I like it. So we've said that before. Yes. It's a good thing. I think it's a great... I mean, yeah, I mean, if, if you put it in that... I mean, some people need to have these analogies or, you know, to, to put it in that mindset. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, you're, well for most of us, we're not not going to pay our mortgage payment because there's severe consequences that happens there. You'll That's be homeless. correct. And if you don't pay your utility bill, the electricity right. shut off, right. water bill and so forth, cable, you don't want to ha- miss your TV shows, right? <laughs> oh, my God. I was just remembering this couple um, hypothetically that I was sitting down with. And uh, th- this um, individual made a ton, 400000 bucks a year. Okay. Right? Spends everything. Okay. And we- we've seen that before. Oh. They have very little savings, mortgaged up the hill, right? And then it's like, all right, well, what do you guys get? No, and he blew up his um, retirement account, um, trading options. Okay. Like he, he took distributions out, paid the tax, trade some options. Like he totally didn't know what the heck he was doing. Right. Didn't tell the spouse, right? And then so we're going through it. And I was like, okay, well, here, you make 400000 This is workable. You can do this, right? Right. And then we're going through their expenses, so they're not extreme savers. They're extreme spenders. Yes. And she's like, well, yeah. Well, you got that Pandora Extra. <laughs> and I was like, are you kidding me? Cash an extra $30 a year. <laughs> it was like, what? That's like six bucks. <laughs> God. No, that's not That's not putting you over the edge there, honey. <laughs> God. Oh, boy. Uh, you I, know, I, you I know was... what it is? It, yeah. And then, then it becomes marriage counseling, oh, doesn't it? That was all that was. It was like, I'm not licensed for this. <laughs> I'll try my best, but I'm yeah. That's that shouldn't be our job. Here's another one: automate your savings program. Have you heard about 401k, 403b? Boy, do that automatically. It comes out of your pay. You don't even miss it. Yep. Now a lot of companies don't have 401ks or organizations don't have 403Bs, so just do it yourself. Have an auto withdrawal from your checking account into a savings account that you don't have a debit card for. Right. So it's hard to get the money out, right? That's the point. Right, it just pauses you when you wanna to try to have an impulse buy. Right. You know? Uh, yeah, the, the, the invention of the 401k is, is such a great thing. And you know, all this BS I hear too about, all right, well this 401k has, you know, this fees and we're going to sue and this and that or whatever. It's like, if you have a 401k that it has a little bit higher fee than another 401k, it, trust me, that's not your biggest worry because you have a plan that you can put money in out of sight, out of mind. That's pre-tax or after tax. If you have a Roth plan sure. right, that, that will give you automatic savings. Uh, right, Alan, two people, two individuals. One person worked for a company for 35 years making, let's say, $70,000 was the peak earning years, but worked for a company for 35 years that had a 401k. Sure. Let's say you have another individual that made $200,000 a year at another company, right? Sure. But did not have a 401k. 35 years later, who do you think has more money saved? Yeah, likely the one with the 401k. Absolutely. Every single time because it's out of sight, out of mind. It's... So, yeah, I mean, then you can get in the nitty-gritty about, all right, well, this has 25 bases higher fee than this one. I mean, yeah, you, you gotta I, mean, just, I think it's going overboard you, a little bit. It is. got to save in the first place. So here's one that would, maybe it applies to you, marry well. Yeah. Marry well? 
I'm going to uh, try to. It's still out there. <laughs> sure, uh, it helps to marry someone well off, but uh, no, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about make sure your spouse or future spouse feels the same way about saving as you do, right? You're a saver. You married someone that isn't. Yeah. That might not be, or maybe if you're a spender, maybe you want to marry a saver. Maybe you want to have someone different. Get, give you some discipline. Yeah, they will blow like, each other uh, up. Like Cat Stevens looking for a hard-headed woman. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what, that, if you're a spender, maybe that's what you got to do. Or a gal with a guy, whatever. Doesn't matter. Cat uh, Stevens, I'll throw in that little Cat Stevens, yeah. Start saving small amounts. We actually talked about this last segment. Maybe it's it's hard for you to save 15% of your salary, which, by the way, is what we would recommend. That that would be a goal. But you're not there. You're, you're 31 years old. You're 40 years old, whatever. You're not saving anything. Start with 3%. Next year, bump it up to 4 or 5%, then 6 and then 8 10%. Get to that point. But the thing is you got to start, and if you don't start, it will never happen. Right. And if you if you do that 3%, all of a sudden you won't really miss it. It's amazing. If it's not in the checking account, you've, you'll still eat. You'll still pay your bills. You'll figure it out, right? Absolutely. And and uh, so, anyway. And I think people will, you know, if, if they lost their job, people are survivors. You know what I mean? And especially people that make a ton of money that don't have anything saved. That's who I worry about. It's like, all right, you've been living high on the hog here. Right. We have professional athletes that are right and just trying to figure out the budget. Right. Right? <laughs> it's it's crazy. But uh, anyway, 2017, that should be a year that you really start kicking your savings into, uh, into effect. Another thing, Joe, that a lot of people don't think about is the taxation of savings accounts. Because there's different places to save. You can save in your 401k, 403b if you have one, or IRA. You can save in your trust account, your, your savings account, in other words, your non-retirement account. You could save into a Roth IRA. Some of you have a Roth provision in your 401k or 403b. And now it's a matter of figuring out, gosh, I know I need to save, but which ones do I need to save into, right? What's going to give me the best shot at having the retirement that, that I want? And of course, the answer is different for everybody. We can give you a few general rules of thumb, which is if you have a 401k, make sure you're at least saving to your match. I mean, I mean, that's very important because your company's giving you extra dollars to do that. Then maybe you want to, after that, maybe you want to open up a Roth IRA. If you qualify and do a Roth IRA contribution, $5,500 or $6,500 if you're 50 and over, right? then maybe you go back to your 401k. Maybe you start saving uh, once you max that out into your regular non-retirement account. 